This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hello, everyone. My name is Erin Trelore, and I am the host of Raw Beauty Talks. We're taking you behind the highlight reel of the world's biggest influencers and wellness gurus to get a raw glimpse of what beauty, health, and wellness look like in today's world so that you can feel your absolute best in your body and in your life. Hi, Raw Beauties. Whether you are in a relationship or currently single, no matter what your Facebook status is right now, today's episode is going to be full of tips and tools to support you in knowing yourself more deeply so that you can show up in your relationships a little bit differently. Before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to shine a light on today's podcast partner, Mala Collective. This beautiful company is here to share mindfulness with the world through two tools, practices, and physical reminders of the life you choose to live. They have the most stunning meditation cushions. You will want one of these for every room in your place. They are equally stylish as they are functional. They also have gorgeous mala beads to really help you ground down into your practice. I'll be talking more about them and I have a special discount code for you. So keep listening Let's dive in. Today's guest, Amy Chen, is the founder of the Renew Breakup Bootcamp. I've known Amy for several years. She is a genius in whatever she is doing, gifted in so many areas. And so I can't wait to dive in with her on this specific topic. She's the editor-in-chief of Heart Hackers Club, an online magazine that focuses on the psychology behind love, lust, and desire. And the observer calls her a relationship expert whose work is like that of a scientific Carrie Bradshaw. Her company has been featured in national media, including Good Morning America, Vogue, Glamour, Nightline, and the front page of the New York Times. Her book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart, is to be released in December 2020. Girl, you're on fire over there. You've been busy since we last saw each other. I know. I've got to work. Thanks so much for the great intro. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. Amy and I, as I said, have known each other for a long time. We were just talking before we started recording. And the last time we saw each other was before I had kids. And we were in New York. We had a gorgeous dinner together. We've both been building and creating and forming relationships. And here we are again, ready to have this beautiful conversation today. Amy, I want to talk to you about this thing that I keep hearing about relationship attachment styles. And I could not think of a better person to help break this down for us. So as somebody who has researched and read about and written about love and relationships. What are the most common questions that you receive from women? So I work with a lot of women who are fresh out of a breakup or they're single and they're disappointed in love. One of the common questions I get is what's wrong with me? I I know this question very well because the reason why I started writing about relationships and researching it was because I was constantly heartbroken and I never could figure out matters of the heart. And I thought that I was crazy. I thought something was wrong with me. I thought I need to get fixed. And so what I tell these women is that there's nothing wrong with you. However, sometimes we have subconscious beliefs 
and patterns that have been kicking around since we were young children. Mm -hmm. And that's causing us to choose the people we choose and, and not choose healthier people. And we recreate the emotional experiences of how we were wounded as children if we didn't have healthy models of love. And so when we can understand that we're not broken, we might just be a little bit bruised and that we can start with the programming to start to rewire those beliefs and patterns, then we have a starting point. This is really going to impact anybody who's listening, whether you are single right now, dating, tindering, stuck in a pandemic and haven't had communication with anybody for a while <laughs> or in a relationship. Tell me a little bit about the attachment types. What is this philosophy and what are the attachment types and why does it even matter? Attachment theory has been studied for decades and it's the idea that by the age of around two years old, we determine an attachment system which will pretty much determine how we relate romantically as adults. Now there's three main types of attachment. There's secure, avoidant, and anxious. And I'll go through each one for those of you who are new to attachment theory. And before I begin, I think it's important to understand that understanding the terminology and the lingo can help as a guideline but I want to really caution people to not be like, oh, I'm an anxious attachment style and that's just how I am, right? It, it's really just to help you have a better understanding of yourself and other people and it acts as a great starting point. So let's go. Secure attachment style, that's around 50% of the population. These are people, they're not afraid of intimacy. They're also not codependent. They're able to communicate their needs in a relationship as well as their boundaries. When there is a fight or something goes wrong, they don't turn it into a huge catastrophe. And they have the highest chances of feeling happy and fulfilled in their relationships. The next part is avoidant attachment style. This is about 20% of the population. And these are people who actually subconsciously suppress their attachment system. And their fundamental fear is that intimacy or when someone gets too close to them, that will cause the sense of suffocation and that they will lose their freedom and their autonomy. Mm. And often they're not aware that they have this subconscious belief. And it's not that these people can't be in relationships, they can't get married or say that they want relationships. The thing is when someone gets a little bit too close emotionally, they keep them at arm's distance. And what they do is they will actually do what's called deactivation strategies. And these are ways to squelch intimacy. So how this might look like is say you're just dating someone, things are going great. You go on a romantic weekend together and then suddenly the person disappears for a week and then, then they reappear like nothing's happened. You're <laughs> like, what the hell just happened? And for them, this is their way of, oh, I got suffocated. I need to go back into my cave. And other tendencies of deactivation strategies include chasing people with an impossible future. Uh, they might be very comfortable with having long distance relationships. Uh, often they have a different relationship with time. And so if you've ever dated someone who has an avoidant attachment style and you text them and you don't get a text back until hours or days, maybe weeks later. And when you bring it up, they're like, what, what's wrong? And they have absolutely no idea. It's because they have a different relationship with time. Now, another mm -hmm. thing is they might, uh, idolize an ex or think that they had this ex that, that got away or they might chase this unicorn so they date someone after 
three months, they start seeing all these imperfections and they're like, no, you're just not the one. So that's avoidantly attached. And then anxious attachment style. These are people who are fundamentally afraid that they will be abandoned or rejected at any time. And this is often due to inconsistent caregiving as children. So it doesn't mean that if you have an anxious attachment style, your parents were awful or they had bad intentions. It just might mean that they misread your cues. So sometimes they were there when you needed something, sometimes they weren't. But what happens is as a baby, it is a matter of life or death. As a baby, your nervous system gets really wired of like, maybe I'm going to get my needs met, maybe I'm not. And you grow up to be an adult and out of all the attachment styles, those who have anxiously attachment systems, they're the quickest to perceive an offset emotion. They're the quickest to perceive if the connection might be lost. And what happens is when they feel that the connection is lost with the romantic partner, this triggers them to this anxiety spiral. And they will then do what's called protest behavior, which are tactics to either reestablish connection, to get attention, or to punish their partner. So mm -hmm. this might look like if they don't hear back from a text, it took four hours, they might be like, screw you, I'll take four days, see how you like it. <laughs> <laughs> they might reject the other person before they have a chance to reject them. They might like someone so much and to take the edge off, they start dating other people just so that they can to sue themselves a little bit. And here's the kicker. Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals for a second. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that really don't help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversation, and Babbel's tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teachings so you're ready to practice what you learned in the real world. If you're heading to another country, anytime soon, start using Babbel a few weeks before you go to learn basics like how to order food, ask for directions, speak to merchants without having to consult language apps while you're away. So fun. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash raw beauty talks. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L com slash talks. Rules and restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Lola V, an award-winning hair care line founded by the fabulous Jennifer Aniston. Jen got tired of the same old struggle we all face, choosing between hair products that work and ones that are actually good for us. With Lola V, that dilemma is history. We all put our hair through the ringer. That's why it's crucial to have products that not only repair the look of the damage, but also shield your locks from future harm. Enter Lola V's bestsellers, the Glossing Detangler and the Perfecting Leave-In Conditioner. They're your hair's new best friend. For a limited time, you get 15% off your entire order at lolavie.com. Just use the code RAWBEAUTYTALKS at checkout. Lolavie is all about naturally derived plant-based goodness, no silicone, sulfates, parabens, or gluten, and of course, cruelty-free and vegan. That's 15% off your order at lolavie.com with promo code RAWBEAUTYTALKS. You can only use one promo code per order and discounts can't be combined. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Tell them I sent you over. Over. If 
If I had to pick one practice that has been the most supportive of my physical and mental wellness, it would hands down be meditation. Taking even five minutes to connect to my breath and check in with my body really allows me to show up for my work and my relationships and as a mother in alignment with who I want to be. Most of us at this point understand the benefits of meditation, but struggle with making it a consistent part of our everyday life. One thing I found really helpful is creating a little space in my home that feels welcoming, comfortable, and nurturing. I use a beautiful cushion set from Mala Collective with a candle and some of my favorite Mala beads to help me really ground into my practice. The cushions are the perfect height to support your hips and knees while you're sitting in silence, and they are equally as stunning in their design, making them a beautiful addition to any living space or bedroom. I love that having my cushion out on display also serves as a visual cue or reminder to connect back to myself. Mala Collective is offering Raw Beauty listeners 10% off everything on their site with the code RAWBEAUTY10 at malacollective.com. That's 10% off their gorgeous cushion sets, crystal collections, and authentic gemstone mala beads using the code RAWBEAUTY10. This is for a limited time only, so head on over to malacollective.com if more mindfulness is on the menu for the coming year. I highly, highly recommend their beautiful products. Here's the kicker. Anxiously attached people are drawn avoidance and vice versa because they both confirm each other's worldview. I'm listening to this and I'm wondering, can you be a mix of everything? What's interesting is your attachment system is on a spectrum and it really does depend on where you are in life. The way that they've done these studies, they've actually studied children from toddlers up to when they're adults. And they've seen that about 20% of the population do change their attachment style. And it's called the strange situation test. They've done this test over and over again in different parts of the world with very similar results. Mm. And so your attachment system pretty much stays the same, except it might feel more intense during certain times. So for example, if you have an anxious attachment style and you are killing it at work, you've got a great friends, your workout routines, you're dating someone who has a secure attachment style, you might not feel that triggered and you might feel a lot more secure. However, if you're in the middle of a pandemic, you lost your job, you're not seeing your friends, and then you're dating someone who's hot and cold and you're just FaceTiming every three weeks, yes, your anxious attachment style might be skyrocketing. So it Mm. does depend on where you are at in life and also who you're with. So interesting. Okay. I'm thinking back to Erin in her twenties. Tell me what, I would love a self-analysis here while I've got you here. So Erin in her twenties was, I immediately think avoidant in regards to the individuals that I was attracted to and forming relationships with. It was like the movie star who is 16 years older than me and lives in a different city. The artist who never texts back or texts back every once in a while or is so fun when they're in town, but then they're gone and they're not a monogamous person. But then I also think that there was some anxious tendencies there because I would get so focused and lasered in on these individuals and then do a lot of the things that you were talking about, like date other people just to avoid thinking about them or try to make them jealous or whatever it was. So what was going on then? That was crazy. (laughs) 
that yeah, was, it can it can feel like you're you're going crazy because you're like, wait, what am I? What's going on here? And so, from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you veered more of an anxiously attached. Yes. However, you might have picked up some coping mechanisms that appeared like an avoidant. So I call mm-hmm. it like an anxiously attached masquerading as an avoidant because mm-hmm. it seems like you were into people who were unavailable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because someone is chasing someone who's unavailable, it doesn't mean you're automatically anxious or avoidant. So I want to make sure that we're not just using the attachment styles as a catch-all as everything. So it seems like maybe you had an anxious attachment style, you enjoyed the chase of people who are unavailable. This could be for a plethora of reasons. It Mm -hmm. could be from what you saw growing up in TV shows and movies and intensity was what you equated with love. And that if it wasn't lustful and like this kind of, push pull dynamic that maybe it wasn't love and everything else was boring right right maybe your 20s was more about adventure and that excitement and you need to get it out of your system it doesn't mean that fundamentally there was something wrong with you or something wrong with your attachment style when you look at some of the behaviors like you would just start dating other people to take the edge off things like that you get laser focused on someone or maybe you know strategize when you should text back that seems like it might be more rooted in anxious attachment style because there is a fear of abandonment versus a fear of being suffocated. I think it's important for us to have an understanding on what type of attachment style that we have. And the goal is to become more secure. And the reason why this matters is not only can you start understanding why you might feel and behave the way you do in relationships. So if you're an avoidant, the next time you're like, wow, every three months, I seem to just like not lose interest in someone and move on, you might now understand like, oh, this is characteristic of someone with an avoidant attachment style. And then you can come up with solutions on how you can start to shift that programming. And if you have an anxious attachment style and maybe your trigger is when you don't get a text back right away and you create a story and you get, you then you sabotage the relationship. That's when you have a starting point to start figuring out how you could start responding in a healthier way. And I, I talk a lot about the different strategies in the book on how you can actually shift your reactions to become more healthy and understanding your partner. Because if you're, whether you're dating someone or you're newly dating or you're in a relationship, understanding your partner's attachment style can help you have more compassion for where they are at. I know for myself, my partner is secure, but has more avoidant tendencies. He needs a lot more space and time than I do. So we have different needs. So instead of me taking that personally as like, oh my God, I'm going to get abandoned. Like all those other people did. They don't like me. They don't want to see me. I'm like, oh, he has a different relationship with time and space than I do. And so how can we coexist and create, you know, a way of being that respects both of our needs without judging and blaming each other? I also really appreciate the fact that you've, you've said a couple of times now that your attachment style can change over time and depending on the relationship that you're in. When I think about my current relationship, my forever relationship with my husband, it feels so different than any of the things that were going on in my twenties. I think he would be somebody who would fall into that secure category. And so he's like the stable rock for me and really allows me to move closer to that space as well. So 
So Aaron, just to to keep one note about that is when one of the best ways to become more secure is actually dating secure people because our brains are constantly being shaped by who surrounds us. And it's not just romantic relationships. It's our friends. It's our coworkers. It's the people we spend a lot of time with. It's Mm -hmm. wiring us. And so if your entire community of people is low safety, you can't trust them, you're abandoned, you're a judge, you're not creating those neural pathways for a healthy connection. However, if you are dating someone and now married to someone who seems to be securely attached, who's healthy, who's supportive, who shows up, who's consistent, and then you're around friends and community who's also, if you had more anxious tendencies, you're likely, without you even knowing it, rewired a lot of those neural pathways for healthy connection. I mean, this just really reinforces the importance of who we surround ourselves with. And, and I love that now you're not only talking about our romantic relationships, but our relationships with our friends. And I imagine our relationships with our family as well has an impact here. You mentioned that a lot of these attachment styles are formed by the time we're two years old. And you did say as well that it doesn't necessarily mean if you're anxious or avoidant that you were parented or raised badly or poorly. It could have been a number of different circumstances that came into play. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. That everyone's not like pissed at their parents. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I mean, look, our parents had a hard hard job, right? Like they grew up not in the age of self-help and learning about neuroplasticity. I mean, now as a new parent, I imagine you had like hundreds of books to choose from and all of these things, you know how to read the cues. And so, you know, I can just look back at my parents who were immigrants from China who were just trying to survive. And I had, I, I grew up with nannies taking care of me. I had inconsistent caregiving. It wasn't because they were evil or terrible. They were trying the best that they could. Mm -hmm. And my parents also struggled with the attachment systems uh, and how they were raised, right? And how their parents misread their cues. We got to give our parents a break, but were shaped by those really early formations of our our relationship with our primary caregiver. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, life happens, right? It's not just our parents. Our Attachment style is defined mostly by our relationship with a primary caregiver, but then life happens. And then you have the influences of friends and school teachers and your first love. And all these things are shaping things, your love map. And then what I call turns into your chemistry compass. I talk a lot about this in my book. Your chemistry compass is what actually points you in the direction of who you're drawn to and who you're repulsed from. Mm -hmm. And so if your chemistry compass whether it's because of your parenting or what you saw growing up with your parents and their relationship or you know how you're treated by your first love might get broken along the way and it starts having you pointed in the direction of people who wound you in a very similar way of how you're wounded as a young child because mm-hmm. subconsciously your brain is actually trying to recreate the scenario of the crime so that you can actually change its ending. I'm so tool-based. I love giving people tools as they're listening to this podcast so that they can start creating shifts right now. Tool number one is to get your book because this isn't something that can be talked about and really understood in depth in a 20-minute conversation. But that being said, because that might take a second for, to get into people's hands, can you share a couple of tools to help individuals move towards a more secure 
uh, attachment type. For sure. So I personally was anxious attachment style, 10 out of 10 anxious. <laughs> and um, I realized that there was a pattern and I was sabotaging my relationship. So I really set out to shift this and become more secure. And it took me time. And now I'm what's called an earned secure. And I would say for those listening who have an anxious attachment style, one of the main things is learning how to self-soothe. Because when you get that that panic that's when the stories come into play and then the scrolling on the instagram feed and then that emotion just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and it consumes you and then you react it's like hot potato you're like i just need to deal with this uncomfortable emotion and i'm gonna throw this hot potato even if it means i'm gonna harm this relationship or hurt this other person i'm just so uncomfortable with where i'm at right now so One thing when, if you are, are just, if you're getting triggered, do a state change. I know you've, you've talked about anxiety in your past podcast, but I love doing the shake. So I did this, I was on a vacation in Mexico. I remember with one of my ex-boyfriends and he said something that triggered me, not like it wasn't his fault. I just got triggered. And I remember feeling this thing. I'm like, Oh, I'm about to have an episode. I went into the bathroom and for two minutes, I just did jumping jacks because I was being filled with adrenaline and cortisol. And I actually had to let it out of my body and let it move through me. And then I actually started to like do some deep breaths. And I do this meditation in my head where I visualize myself as a little girl. And I, I just see, I'm like painting, I'm dancing and all around me is my family and people that I love. And they're just beaming love at me. And I just keep repeating. I have all the resources that I need. I'm safe because really whether you're avoidantly attached or anxious, it is a a feeling of not being safe in intimacy. And so learning how you can become more safe inside because that's unfortunately, even if you have a really amazing partner, they can't ever give you safety. Mm-hmm. It's something that you have to generate from inside. So figure out what are your tools for getting there for self-soothing. And it's going to be a different toolkit for everyone. And you've gone through these different tools before, whether it's meditation or, you know, you know, exercise, whatever it is. And then I think whether you're avoidant or anxious or secure and you're dealing with someone who has one of these attachment styles is understanding what are your top two triggers? What do you normally do to react, right? Is it you punish the person or do you act passive aggressive? Do you withdraw? Um, Write those down and then write down what's a story you've created, right? Because somewhere along the way you've created a story about what that trigger has meant. Mm. And then because you're now in a non-activated state, this is your time to strategize what are healthier responses. So instead of assuming that this person isn't into you and you're just going to withdraw and you're going to date someone else, maybe give them the benefit of the doubt and write down different things of what you can do. Like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to not respond for 24 hours if I have something like mean to say, right? I'm going to commit to calling a friend and like feeling really good about myself before I do this, whatever it is, create a healthier response now. And then you want to do mental rehearsal to actually visualize the next time you get triggered and you responding in this healthier way. What this does is it actually helps you create neural pathways as if you've already done it. So you're actually starting to build the muscle before it actually happens. And when the next time you get triggered, 
you at least have the strategy in place. And I'm telling you the first time, first two times, you might be like, this doesn't work, right? When I did the bathroom, jumping jack, like, you know, meditation thing, I was like, this doesn't work. But after a few more times, you start to realize I'm starting to shift my response here. And you're great, you're, you're strengthening those new neural pathways. Mm -hmm. And eventually, if you just keep repeating over and over again, those old neural pathways, path we start to prune away. I'm so glad that you're talking about the mental rehearsal. I want to do a quick outline of them again. Write this down, please. If you're somebody who's struggling, sometimes just listening to these episodes, it's not enough. We actually have to put the tools into action. So the first thing is to really pay attention to what's triggering you. What are one or two things that commonly trigger you in a relationship? Then what is the behavior that you take when you're triggered. So he hasn't texted back for four hours. Okay, what do you then commonly do? What's that behavior that you keep repeating? Then examine the story that you've created. What is the story that you are repeating back to yourself? That story, the thoughts that we have create chemical reactions in our body, either turning on our fight or flight or rest and digest response. So is that story serving you? Is that story serving your nervous system? And then can you create a list of some healthier responses? Can you create a relationship action plan, essentially, of things or tools that you can use to support yourself when you're triggered? Amy's also mentioned using a mental rehearsal. So actually practicing visualizing yourself being triggered and then acting in the way that you would like to versus reacting and uh, reacting from uh, an unconscious place generally doing a meditation and actually imagining those individuals who love and support you around you, sending you love and light, again, allowing your nervous system to relax and these new neural pathways to form. And then the third thing she mentioned was changing your physical state, whether that's doing jumping jacks, doing some push-ups, jumping in a freezing cold shower, changing the environment then you're, that you're in, even maybe getting outside and going for a walk. So all of these things are tools that you can use right now to really help you move and and change the patterns that you are in to form more healthy, secure, loving ones that are going to serve you. Amy, where can people find your book? Where can they learn more about you and your course? Give us the details. Yeah. So you can go to renewbreakupbootcamp.com. Find me on Instagram at Miss Amy Chan. That's M-I-S-S-A-Y-C-H-A-N. And my book, Breakup Bootcamp, The Science of Rewiring Your Heart is available at all bookstores starting December 1st. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Don't forget that Mala Collective is offering 10% off everything on their gorgeous site. They've got beautiful meditation cushion sets, crystal collections, and stunning Mala beads. I love using my Mala beads to really help me focus as I'm meditating. I roll my fingers over each of the 108 beads in every necklace, repeating a mantra. It's such a beautiful, nourishing practice. You can find all this and more over at malacollective.com and use the code rawbeauty10 for 10% off. Do you ever feel like you're struggling through motherhood? You're not alone. I'm Erica Jossa, host of the MomWell podcast, therapist and mom of three. 
Join me each Wednesday as I sit down with guests, including psychologists, pediatricians, psychiatrists, fertility specialists, lactation consultants, and more to unravel the myths of motherhood. With expert advice, practical tips, self-love, and some coping skills to help you along the way, you can become the mother you want to be. Listen to the MomWell podcast at momwell.com slash listen or on your favorite podcast platform.